There is treasure in and beyond your pain. What you seek is seeking you, beloved. To feel, transmute and alchemize pain is your power. And this power is within you right now. If you'll only give yourself permission to access it. To tune in to the truth of who you are. To allow the healing of your soul. Self-healer. Rise. Hi beloveds and welcome back to Beautifully Empowered. It's good to be back. I'm here with some goodies today. And this has come out of my own experience as it always does. And, you know, in our relationships where we feel that there may be a trigger or some sort of rejection or abandonment issue. Again, as I was saying in my, my last podcast of how our relationships are mirrors to our core wound. Our relationships are really opportunities to really dive deeper into self, even when we're just like, I'm upset. And I just want to back off. And, you know, well, there is an opportunity to heal even deeper. So I'm going to be talking about healing the mother wound today, which is the unmothered child within. Again, I just want to stress I'm not a psychologist. So I am sharing my journey of what has and what is helping me, what has helped me and what is helping me to heal. So take what resonates and leave the rest. One of the things that I think is so important on this healing journey healing experience however you relate to your experience of healing is really acknowledging your triggers being able to witness yourself we call it the witness seat but in order in order to be in the witness seat of self you, you kind of have to need to pull yourself out of yourself and to be able to realize that you can observe your behavior from above and take personal responsibility for yourself and others so that you don't end up destroying your relationships and it is all going to be about how it's all related to our relationship with our mother and you know for me personally I need to breathe before I say anything because I'm again being a cancer sun Scorpio moon I'm going to use that as an excuse I really am is that I am extremely emotional and so I often have to just be really mindful of things I say to people or the emotions that I feel and you know to 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 spend a lot of time in nature and to release those stuck emotions because well yeah energy is stuck in the body and it wants to be released I want to be able to spend some time on specifically on this podcast today because it's something that I've experienced myself and I'm constantly experiencing it constantly experiencing it and so whenever you feel like you're triggered this is something that again I know works okay I'm not someone that's amazing at handling my triggers I'm really not you know I've read a lot about emotional intelligence does that mean I'm I'm an emotionally intelligent individual Mm, I'll let my higher self decide that but I would just say that hey I have the tools to be able to like pull me out of those situations but I'm human I am human so days when you're triggered coming back to asking yourself why you feel triggered in that situation I was saying that Instagram is definitely like a really big like opportunity to do shadow work because you're constantly being like triggered on Instagram to the point where I'm just like 
I just don't even want to be on the platform anymore. I'll go on for like a week and then I'll come off it for like three weeks. In those triggers, it's not necessarily about that relationship with the individual. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. Sometimes you really care about someone and you may feel rejected or you may feel like this person doesn't like you and it really touches a core wound and it's that core wound in essence that really needs to be evaluated so that you don't end up harming that relationship or you don't end up saying something to that individual which is just so unnecessary you know whenever you have an argument with someone it really is good to step back or not even good because I don't want to polarize it here but it's beneficial to you to be able to step back and to just see what's going on within yourself that is affecting this relationship. My mother gave me to my dad when I was a year and a half. So I struggle with um, female relationships. Even in romantic relationships, there will be some sort of, if there's unresolved childhood issues and needs that were unmet in your childhood, that will come up in the way that you respond to your, you know, your male partner. It might be related to your father issues with with women it might be related to the mother issues and so being able to observe from the witness seat from within and make a conscious choice to change our behavior rather than stinging people <laughs> i think it's a really really handy thing to to be aware of because we need to allow our inner child to grieve past loss especially in relationship to any loss with the mother and again I'm specifically paying attention to the relationship with the mother today because personally coming from my experience I know that I have both a father and a mother wound and I do feel that my mother wound is far more or has been far more detrimental to my emotional well-being than my father wound. One thing that I like to do sometimes when I'm evaluating where not so much evaluating but going within myself and asking myself where exactly is this where's this all coming from why has this individual literally done nothing this individual said nothing why do i feel like all of a sudden i'm like i'm paralyzed emotionally what is that i know beloveds that you can resonate because i know when you're triggered you're triggered right it will go back to the original blueprint it will go back to your childhood and trying to survive in your childhood needs that were unmet and now that's being reenacted with a friend or a partner, or just whoever. Being able to accept the pain of our childhood and using our creative mind even, and this is going far ahead at the minute because there's so much I want to talk about, but this is just a spontaneous thing that I'm saying here, but like being able to use your creative mind to not so much ponder on the negative aspects or the painful aspects of your childhood, but also to create the memories that you wish that you would ha would you would have experienced, you know, using the creative imagination to do that because we are creative beings and with our imagination, we can really create dis-ease by focusing on that, which which was really painful to us. However, I'm saying that without even saying the main point of the the podcast, which is healing the mother wound. And we can't just do that by just creating these this imaginary life that just didn't happen, right? So <laughs> without healing work, we will definitely most likely repeat the dysfunctional patterns of our upbringing and we can see those deficits we can mother ourselves and i know that that sounds so 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 simple it sounds so simple oh just do the inner child work or just do the shadow work or you know it's like everybody's talking about it now like do the inner child work and it's not so much about talking about it it's about actually doing it and from personal experience of doing inner child work for about five years now and shadow work for maybe two years 
but properly for a year, it's very, very, very painful. But staying in the unconscious waters of ignorance is even more painful. So in order to heal our inner child, in order to heal our mother wound, more specifically, we protect ourselves from what hurts us the most. So it's unraveling the layer upon layer of stored emotions. And emotion is just energy in motion. So it's really to do with the energy that is stored within us that is is trapped in our bodies that actually needs to be released. And the thorns of anger are, are what's actually, is what is actually related to our dysfunctional upbringing and how we've learned to survive in that upbringing, you know, that we've learned to survive emotional neglect and abuse. That can involve physical and sexual abuse. I'm specifically talking about the mother here. So most people will deny that they have a mother wound. Like most people will just cover it up. So some people, it's not so much that they're covering it up or that they're denying it, but it's more so that people are unaware of this mother wound because we people haven't accepted or allowed themselves to see where they've been emotionally neglected, gaslit and abused. Because I think we do idealise our parents as, I would say specifically the mother. Of course, the father is our first love in many ways, but so is our mother. For many of us, we're afraid that to actually look at our childhood and see that we're abused in some way, it can really fracture this reality that we've created through denying that aspect of our childhood. So we've said to ourselves, this is my mother, she's on a pedestal. The minute you cause me to look at that relationship, you're taking that away from me, you're taking that safety away from me. And sometimes it might even not even be abuse in the way that society has projected abuse, you know, neglect. I've said this before in many of our podcasts, but abuse comes in many ways and to be emotionally neglecting to your children is abuse. But I also want to say that neglect can happen when a mother is depressed. I'm not in this podcast necessarily talking about, in fact, I'm not, I'm not talking about the narcissistic mother in this pod podcast. I'm literally talking about abuse or a mother wound or just basically your needs not being met. And that can happen regardless of whether someone's highly narcissistic or not. I don't think that is the focus of this podcast. But, you know, if your mother's depressed, she's going to be in her own world. And it's not that she doesn't want to give you what you need is that she's just not in a place where she can do. Sometimes women are so into themselves due to their own trauma, abusive partners, and, you know, a mother that can't protect you because she can't even protect herself. She's in the middle of an abusive relationship and you as a child and you as a child happen to be witnessing all of that and, and be in the middle of that abusive relationship. And some of the things that I ask to see if you do have a mother wound is when you see a loving mother with a child who is attentive and loving are you triggered and it hurts you know it hurts to see what you don't have i don't feel that toward a mother but i definitely felt that way in the past toward fathers with daughters do you feel that you don't want to look too deep at the relationship with your mother because it brings up pain and you're not ready to look at it you're not ready to face that pain or when you're in your mother's presence, do you find yourself numbing and going into a trance-like state and you're not fully present? You're upset when you visit and your childhood feelings are triggered. This is a huge one for me and this is something that I have had to be so honest about and this is something that happens, yes, when you're around somebody that's highly narcissistic. Again, I'm not specifically talking about that in this podcast. Your mother doesn't have to be narcissistic to neglect you 
But when you're around someone and you're you're numbing out, and what do I mean by numbing out? Numbing out is just you feel a bit dissociative, like you're there physically, but there's a part of you that is is disappearing somewhere else because you feel so uncomfortable around this individual. And I, sometimes I question, again, I'm not a psychologist, I'm just giving my personal experience here, my personal lens. Sometimes I have to question whether the numbing is the same as being nervous. When you're nervous around somebody, what is that, you know? being nervous and numbing I think are two different things oh this is another big one so you crave closeness with your mother but you're afraid of being close to her because it's unfamiliar to you this is a huge one to me I think around the age of 18 when I started to become more aware of reality um before that I really idolized my mother and then when when I was around the age of 18, 18 my heart started to close off toward her and I didn't know at that time why that was but yeah if you're feeling that you're afraid of getting close to your mother because it's unfamiliar to you and she's not giving you that space to feel like it's okay to be vulnerable around her that might be an indication that you have a mother wound so another one if you feel that there's core shame and feelings of unworthiness and feelings of I'm not lovable and I'm not worthy that would indicate a mother wound and that's something that I personally struggle with like I will say things and I will do things that are just like this is not why at a conscious level I do not believe this at all I don't believe that I'm not worthy I don't believe that do you know what I mean it's like but at a subconscious level that's when you need to step back and be like okay let's let's just get to the root of why I actually feel that way in relationships so another one may be that you avoid having your own children because you feel you're not parent material this is a huge one for me because I'm still figuring out why I don't want children not necessarily that I don't want a child because I love children I work with children I have 14 nieces and nephews I dated someone with a little girl I was a step parent for a while so it's not necessarily that it's just that like if people were being honest as to why they want children in the first place I think people would realize it is for very selfish reasons and for me being on this healing journey I've realized that before I started to heal I really wanted children the minute I started to heal I was like oh but you're healing your own inner child and you don't feel the same way now so so maybe it's because you were trying to heal yourself through having your own child which is very unfair to the child staying busy now this is something that i as an intuitive cancer son <laughs> i can definitely see when people are doing this i don't necessarily do this myself but it, it's quite obvious but when you're super super busy and you're not allowing yourself to feel so things like perfectionism which perfectionism is the root of perfectionism is fear having obsessions like tension in your body that's something actually a part of that that i do experience when i'm tense in my body and i'm realizing that i'm not breathing throughout the day and I, my heart is literally blocked and i have to like take myself out of whatever i'm doing whether it be at work or whether i'm in the recorded studio which doesn't happen in the studio don't even know why i said that wherever i am if i'm with people and i'm just feeling like okay uh, why does my heart feel like really blocked i have to go into the toilet or into the bathroom wherever and take really deep breaths and breathe into my heart center and I, f I literally feel like my heart is like it's cracking open it's a beautiful but very painful experience breathing shallowly that that's kind of what I've just said but when you take shallow breaths you are containing and minimizing minimizing your experiences when you're taking breaths throughout the day 
you're not resisting life you're you're in the flow of life and whenever you feel like you're you're not taking deep enough breaths and your breaths is shallow there's there is some sort of there is some sort of resistance there for sure this is a huge one and yeah this is just a huge one so being left by a partner as an adult is one of the most powerful triggers that brings your childhood to the right to the forefront so those abandonment issues will be mirrored to us in our adulthood you, you can't escape the trauma of your childhood even if you consciously just sweep it to the side i'm gonna get on with my day gonna get on with my life don't bother me with all that childhood shit don't talk to me about healing the inner child or healing the mother wound it, you, it's something that the more you sweep it to the side the bigger it gets and you might not see it consciously but that mirror is going to be placed to you as a reflection in your relationships you can't escape it because you you're always being mirrored back yourself you're always being mirrored back yourself because your consciousness your consciousness is going out and your consciousness is coming back <laughs> i don't even know if i worded that right but it, it feels like that anyway like you, you you're in a relationship you are yes you're seeing that other individual of course however they're going to show you you because there is there is an attraction why have you attracted that individual why have they attracted you there is a reason why you're attracted to certain individuals working through your feelings oh this is a huge one no way it really is so the 12-step program in psychotherapy holds the notion that you can't heal what you can't feel and i always say i always say get real with your feelings in order to heal numbing covers the wound however it prevents you from healing and it's very true like even in relationships where you feel very numb in these relationships but you feel some sort of unconscious safety in it. It's because you felt safe in a weird way as a child by numbing out around your parents because you were being abused or emotionally emotionally neglected in some way. That that numbing has that self defense mechanism has become a tool that you now use in your adult relationships. But the tools that we used, and I don't even know if we can say that they're tools, but what you did to survive as a child whether you dissociated from a particular event because you couldn't be in the body while you were experiencing that that helped you to survive then but that no longer needs to be used as a tool now the most powerful thing we can do from our to the most powerful thing we can do for us ourselves is to actually heal from that dissociation to heal from that numbing as a child otherwise we're just going to spend the the rest of our lives reenacting childhood abuse with every single person that comes into our life and i know that's really hard to say and it's really hard to acknowledge but yeah so bradshaw calls this original pain work which original pain work involves experiencing repressed feelings this is like i can tell from personal you know i can tell you from personal experience okay so inner child work i've said this before it's painful like this is deep change that we're bringing into our lives is to resolve the deeply unresolved feelings you know getting into a relationship because you feel that your inner childhood needs will be met maybe they will be met <laughs> but that mirror is still going to be there and you're still going to get that reflection of this is this is who you are and this is what you're going to need to work on in this relationship and these feelings are shock anger fear loneliness shame confusion it's just raw 
pain. And original work, it basically involves grief in order to heal. However, grief is only part of the story. And I think that's where people get kind of either put off from healing or kind of get stuck at that grieving point, you know, because we, we are going to need support for the healing journey or the healing experience, however you want to describe it. But psychotherapy is a really good container in my experience certainly not the only one certainly not i personally don't know how how anyone would i mean i'm just saying this from my experience i've had therapy i've been to cbt sessions and it certainly is not it's certainly not the only tool to help you heal you know loving relationships you know people around you that are also on this conscious healing journey or decision to heal and also sometimes we don't have specific memories and this is an interesting one um this is what happens with pre-verbal experiences so if you're thinking to yourself well like "Mm, i don't have any specific memories with my mother that make me think i might have a mother wound most of our wounds are actually pre-verbal experiences so events can scar us deeply and we don't have that memory that is stored in a way that we can actually access it so you know, pain won't last forever, not if you're present with your pain. So there's acknowledging the pain, there's also realizing that that pain won't last forever. And it's the, but it is the denial of pain that keeps, it, that keeps you unconsciously bound by pain. And what do I mean by that? It's like, if you're saying to yourself, well, I don't have a mother wound, and maybe you don't, and that's great. Maybe you, maybe you feel like, oh, well, I don't even want to look too deep at that. It is that denial of pain. It's that denial of looking at something that you know needs to be looked at that keeps you unconsciously bound in relationships that reflect back to you that very thing that you're saying that you don't want to look at. So you might not want to look at your mother wound, but your relationships will most likely with women or with um, women in your life, just, you know, relationships, romantic, friendship, whatever, they'll reflect that back to you. But if you're in the witness seat, And this is where it's coming back to healing, obviously. You're seeing yourself from above. And it's not always necessarily that you're in the pain. But what can help you to provide some emotional distance when you are overwhelmed, like overwhelmed with with pain, is to just be in that witness seat. And the witness seat is more of, it's not necessary, it's not dissociating, it's it's just being able to observe yourself from above as opposed to trying to escape it. And when you let pain out, you will feel an energy release from your heart. Mine are just, I only started to experience this, at least I don't remember any other experiences in the past. In the past few years, actually, when I'm when I'm breathing deep and I'm realizing there's some sort of stuck emotion there, I get sharp pains in my heart and it's like a burst of energy. It's like your heart is just pouring with like, it feels like, you know that painting of, Jesus, the Roman Catholic version of Jesus, uh, which is quite interesting because they painted him as a white man. I just find that really ironic. And he has that the sacred heart, and you've got the the flame of red coming out and the flame of blue coming out. It reminds me, of, <laughs> it reminds me of that. Like I'm having a Jesus moment, where like water is just pouring from my heart. But it's beautiful, you know, because the, that in that energy release, it is painful. Yeah, because you you've. St- you've stored it in the body so what where do you think that 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 energy is going to go energy has to flow energy has to be released energy never stays stays put it's constantly moving it's constantly flowing and if in your body you've just got a lot of stuck energy yes it's going to create disease yes it's going to create 
all sorts of physio physiological issues and and all sorts and so that's why it's important to get right to the nitty-gritty of healing that mother wound i would say that anger is a huge indication that you have a mother wound because anger really shows us that our experience is valid in our anger we're saying that what i got as a child was not enough and we need to be able to accept our anger as a valid emotion because it is valid in order to actually heal our mother wound and i think sometimes people might not want to dive into healing the mother wound because of that anger but again in order to heal your mother wound you need to realize and and realize that you're angry and to honor that to really honor your feelings basically and you know saying to yourself i am angry and just say it like listen to your inner child listen to your heart um you know, I didn't get what I felt I needed. And this comes to the forefront in our adult relationships when we feel abandoned or rejected, and especially when a partner leaves us. And if you're still trying to get validation or acceptance from your mother, you might even feel that anger is too dangerous. And if you want to release these feelings rather than be unconsciously stuck in them, you need to forgive yourself for actually feeling angry. So anger is not a bad emotion. I mean, how can an emotion be bad, right? Society is such a polarized opinion of, of, of what is good and bad. And like we live according to what is good. We live it, you know, we deny what is bad. But what we do out of our feelings of anger can be determined as bad or just not beneficial to you. But we must learn to accept anger. Without anger, you don't know your boundaries are being crossed. You won't know someone is intentionally or even unintentionally trying to hurt you. You won't know when you're being abused. Your anger is literally trying to communicate something to you. Which in my in my experience is just please listen to me. Just listen. Instead of projecting outward that this is your enemy, this individual that's angering, angering you. It's just that there's, a, there's an emotional need there that's not being met. There's anger that's whiny and it's a victim consciousness and like... But... There's an empowered anger that can cause you to stick up for yourself. And that's not to say that the whiny anger cannot lead to the empowered anger it can do. Sometimes we might have to contain that anger because in that anger we can do harmful things to others. So recognising the anger and having tools to control how much anger is actually coming through at any moment. So for me a tool here would be deep breathing. If I could just say anything, especially during this whole COVID thing, it's just breathe. Just breathe. Let let the energy rise through the spine and just breathe. Because <laughs> when you're breathing, self-awareness will kick in. It will kick in, even if it takes a few minutes. Therapy can also help with anger issues, obviously. Journaling can really help with the mother wound. You know, your friends and your therapist can't contain your pain. I don't think any one thing can contain your pain, you know, so holding in stress, we know that creates disease and journaling acts as a mirror and a guide. And for me, I've just started journaling, journaling again. I think I hadn't journaled. Sometimes I'll have like a year where I won't journal and then I realize, hey, okay, journaling really felt great. So let's do it again. So I think over the past few months, I've started journaling again and it feels great. It's almost like a safe a safe spa space, a safe space, <laughs> a safe space away from judgment. It's an energetic release, very healing, self-soothing. 
you know, being able to write your pain, write down anything that hurts you, your journal accepts you. It's a piece of paper, but it's going to feel more than that to you when you're writing, you know, you might cry as you're writing and that's perfectly okay. I mean, that's the whole point, isn't it? To, To help you to draw out that stuck emotion. You know, tears do show you that you have hit that core wound and crying that out just opens your heart. It, it it enables the heart to let go of what was stuck there. You know, you're not alone when you journal. You're holding space for yourself. You are alone when you hold your feelings inside. Anger is a beautiful emotion. For me, I feel that it shows you where your boundaries have been crossed. And John Bradshaw said that it's okay to be angry even if what was done to you was unintentional. In fact, you have to be angry if you want to heal your wounded inner child. I just want to talk about spiritual bypassing, which I have mentioned a lot on this podcast, but it's the type of spiritual bypassing that keeps anger at bay. So this light and love will literally blind you. You'll be blinded by the light. Everything that's beautiful is created in the dark. You know, you're in your mother's womb and it's dark, you, you know, you dream with your eyes closed, it's dark, you know, your inspirations come from that dark place, you know, most of my songs, if not all of them, I would say probably 80 to 90% of my songs have come out of pain, and that's how I process them, so I go in those dark moments and use my music to process the darkness that I feel I can't process consciously you know food grows in the darkness of the soil you know we have the cosmos and you look at something as beautiful as the root system of trees the root system of a tree is bigger than the tree itself and it's just so beautiful again I've said this before it's the as above so below but that root system it's like without the soil what how would we have the trees without the subconscious how how would the conscious run you know how would the conscious mind run john balbley i hope i'm pronouncing his name right who is the attachment theory pioneer said that anger is a natural response to a child's attachment needs not being met so when a child feels that their anger pushes mum away the child learns to turn it off the two primary insecure attachment styles come into play Those with avoidant, self-sufficient styles are likely to repress or hide their anger and believe that it will hurt a relationship, whereas whereas those with a more ambivalent, preoccupied style have learnt to sometimes use their anger to get another's attention. In your journal, you could write, I feel angry, dot, dot, dot. And then, you know, you're allowing your stream of consciousness to just flow through the pen and paper, right? And then... You're not really focusing too much on what you're saying or you're just writing exactly what you're feeling and then you can step back and read it. And beneath, you could write, beneath my anger I feel and then your your, your true emotions will, will be written out for you to sit back and look at and you'll see that beneath that anger is hurt and pain. You know, you can make a list of the things that you haven't forgiven your mother for. For me personally, it's that she sent me to live with my dad when I was one and a half. And it's kind of like, not be- not because she didn't want me, but because for other reasons, you know, she couldn't take care of me. So it's not necessarily that we're angry at our mothers for something they did consciously against us. It's just that our mothers don't always have the tools to parent us in the best way because they're still grieving through their own trauma. You've got to sometimes take a look 
you know, I don't know where exactly whereabouts she would do this, but maybe after you've taken a look at your own pain, also take a look at your mother's pain. Like what was, ask her about her childhood, ask her about her relationship with her mum. And you'll most likely see that there's a huge mother wound um, there as well. You know, we let go of the past when we're done with it. Healing's not linear. We don't let go of the past when people tell us to get over it. I mean, what do they know? What does anybody know about you as an individual and your individual pain? And that's not to say that, you know, we won't hurt when somebody touches a core wound, of course. But when we've completed this active grieving and moved on, it won't affect us as much. You know, healing is nonlinear. So there's no amount of time where you can say that, you know, I am healed now. I personally have said this before, but I don't know. And I'm only saying this because of where I am in my own healing journey. I don't know if we actually ever fully heal here on this side of eternity on this planet which is so polarized you know but keep that connection to our unmothered child within to grieve and to do the inner child work and original pain work and it's not easy it's not easy at all so i just want to read something by a therapist who offers remothering therapy to adult women her name's sunja jim i hope i've pronounced that right and i'm gonna have to apologize because my neighbor has a dog so if you hear any barking it's the dog upstairs so this is something that you know if you were going to go into therapy you could ask for specific styles of therapy to be used or specifically go out of your way to you know look into a specific uh, you know therapy or psychologist that offer specific um, attachment styles or you know just be really like mindful of be mindful of what type of therapy you actually feel that you need. So Soonja Jim invites, so I'm just reading this actually, Soonja Jim invites her clients to settle back and take in this love and attention. Passive love is the kind of love where care is offered without having to do much to elicit it. It requires more intuitiveness and empathy on the part of the giver and more receptivity of the taker. Receiving passive love can be deeply healing for unmothered women who had to be so active in learning who had to be so active in trying to earn love. They have so much shame around their emotional neediness that to be given without having to disclose their needs directly feels extremely uncomforting. She goes on to say that as you feel your dependency and attachment needs sweetly embraced by a mothering figure and allowing yourself to receive passive love, there proceeds a gradual relaxation in your body, heart, mind and spirit. In that relaxation, you may first go through the grieving period of not having the care and the sweet love you needed growing up. However, as you allow the grieving to flow and to be released, you can move to a deeper level of relaxation where you can access who you really are. You may also experience the truth of your interconnectedness with all beings that releases you from the deep sense of aloneness you have felt. And also here's a woman's description of breaking through her deepest core of infant pain and what it meant by being held by a therapist. I was weeping from my core and the depth of my being. And at that moment, more than anything, I needed the embrace of love to hold me, contain me, which my therapist did. After a while, it was as if it wasn't my therapist holding me, though I know she was there. I would feel an amazing sense that I had been held by love itself, that it went beyond my therapist and was something so much deeper. We had touched a core reality, and that embrace of love for me is a metaphor of love and embrace I needed my whole life. The longing to be wanted, really wanted, to be acknowledged that I even exist and don't have to earn the right to exist and be alive, 
that I am beautiful and lovable and to be held and not treated like poison. Well, what more could be said? And I find that, I find that really beautiful. I also find it's, it's very important to have a good relationship with a therapist if you do feel that that's the right way to go. It's definitely not the only tool that, that I feel that can help you to heal, but it definitely helped me to process a lot of things that needed processing. And I think after a certain, I've said this before, but after a certain while, I personally had to step back from therapy because talking too much about my past was very, very, very triggering to the point where it was just like, I don't feel this is helpful anymore. So I don't personally have therapy anymore, but for those that want to, hey, it's out there. Working with good mother energy is great. So opening up to good mother energy um, helps us when we're, we're feeling stuck with healing our mother wounds because, you know, how do we heal our mother wounds if we don't, if we, if we have no good mother role model or archetype or visual imagery to, to really focus on and take our t attention away off, take our attention away off the pain once we have processed that. So archetypes are a good one. So Mother Mary or um, Mother Earth or goddess cultures that are relating to the earth as a source of nurturance. And for me, it's definitely mother energy through nature. You know, the minute I... I just sit with nature I feel very very embraced by this mother energy and it really does feel like mother energy to me I know that some people will relate very much to mother Mary and Carl Jung brought these archetypes into modern modern psychology and described them as residues of ancestral memory presented in the collective unconscious which is the greater mind that we all share and from Jung's perspective we are born with an archetype of the good mother as a psychic structure. This archetype is like a blueprint that gets turned on or becomes operative when we're meeting mothering that is good enough. The therapist offering herself as a surrogate mother is embodying the doorway of the deeper energies of the archetype of good mother. Another one that's really helpful and as someone that is very visual and into a lot of art, symbols and imagery. So painting for yourself is a good way of really healing that mother wound so mother and child paintings most of if not all of my art is actually of paintings of goddess of the goddess archetype or relating to the good mother and paintings of a child like I have a specific painting on my wall of a child who is crying and she has the hand, the earth in one hand. I personally am very attracted to goddess and inner child art. So I just want to read something from The Emotionally Absent Mother by Jasmine Lee Corey, where she's talking about help from the Divine Mother. So one of the classic images associated with the mother archetype is Mother Mary from the Christian tradition. The Madonna and child is one of the most frequently painted images in existence. It is an image found well before the Christian era and seems to have universal appeal. Mary is one of the many names beginning with the syllable Ma, meaning mother. Mother Mary is often associated with the rose, which is linked with the same great mother energy. Many people have reported receiving comfort and guidance from Mary or from mother figures of other religious traditions, such as Kuan Yin. Oh my goodness, excuse me for pronouncing that like that. Most, if not all, traditions have images of the Divine Mother, and believers within this tradition often have experiences in which they feel loved and cared for by this maternal energy. One woman described feeling like a cranky baby who was able to let go and relax when she felt held by a loving presence that felt 
to her like Mother Mary. Another experience, something akin to this, when she imagined being wrapped in swaddling clothes by a goddess mother. A third woman, Anne, described doing some inner journey work and meeting a goddess figure who seemed to take away her burdens and absorb her pain. Anne discovered that she could call on this being in times of need. I would categorise all of these experiences as the equivalent of mother as modulator experienced internally. Sometimes the answer is to be mothered and sometimes it is to become the mother. This is true on the human level, but it can also happen on the spiritual level. Ariel, who was very undermothered, turned to the goddess tradition to provide a positive role model, to provide a positive model of the mother and the deep feminine, finding it healing and transformative. She considers herself a priestess now, which is not a designation assigned by any religious authority, but simply means being a channel for the divine feminine energy. Her job is to embody this energy. Good mother energy is the energy of nourishment and love. Ariel told me that the great mother is the matrix, the web of interconnectivity that holds us all. Devotional practices to any of the divine mother figures help open the heart to the good mother archetype and can eventually help replace the images of a withholding mother with something more generous and warm. We need models for developing the good mother within, and those coming from spiritual traditions are potent for many. Whether feeling a child of the cosmic mother or bonding with a person of either gender, gender is not binary, my love, who assumes the role of good mother, there are definite benefits to a secure relationship. Connecting with the good mother allows us to appropriate some of her qualities, whether her confidence, her graciousness, her generosity or other desirable qualities, just as insecurely attached children feel that the physical dwelling they live in with the family is very much theirs as well, a feeling not always shared by those with an orphan complex. Those securely attached to mummy are free to partake of their nature and make themselves at home there. This may take the form of imitating external behaviours of the mother, the way she stands or tilts her head, but it can also occur on a deeper level where the child feels that she is part of mummy's heart and that mother's qualities feel like part of her too. The child who adores his mother also takes on some of the halo around this idealisation. The securely attached child who feels that my mummy is really special may also feel that I am special because I am part of her. This is related to mother as source. And mother as source is when you think of your mother's womb does it feel like an inviting place if you can't imagine this ask how it would feel to be enveloped in your mother's energy is that something that you would like another one is did you want to be like your mother or did you want to be different as possible or anything in between if someone said you're so like your mother how would you feel and can you imagine feeling pride about being your mother's child in being her offspring do you identify yourself in relation to your mother? Fortunately, we have a second chance as an adult to receive the mothering we missed early in our lives. We might even experience this in more than one relationship. We might find ourselves receiving love, nurturance, guidance, encouragement, mirroring, protection, and the other good mother functions in multiple places, from our partners, therapists, close friends, in-laws, spiritual teachers, mentors and from the mother that we eventually develop within ourselves to have someone consistently there for us is a great blessing if we can take it in if we cling to an earlier lack of love and don't take it in then it can't heal us it may take sitting through discomfort struggling through feelings of unworthiness and learning to trust but receiving this nurturance is essential to healing mother wounds when we see that what is being offered is given out of love rather than out of obligation we feel deeply touched 
Children of emotionally absent mothers often feel that any caring from their mother comes out of obligation. If we can take in this freely given love and care, eventually we will all develop a, sen a healthy sense of entitlement, the sense that our needs matter and we have a right to be supported and nurtured. Slowly our stance will change to, to a sense of positive expectancy that our needs will be met. For this to happen, our good mother substitutes need to be generous with us, generous with their attention, their affection, generous with praise, and generous in giving us the space we need to work things out. Since emotionally absent, non-expressive, and neglectful mothers don't give much, this generosity is a key ingredient in healing. We are often surprised to learn that the generous mother finds pleasure in meeting our needs. This pleasure forms part of her development too. Obviously the people in these good mother roles must feel safe to you. What is happening is nothing less than a radical transformation, changing your self-image, how you are in relationships, awakening the child states that have been frozen inside. If you developed a hardened defense structure and you have taken on the critical voices of those around you, healing will, will require stepping out of this. You need to be soft and receptive like a trusting child asleep in mother's arms. So you may find people who elicit this in you and who are trustworthy. Remember that. Remember that it is a journey, a long journey. Children don't grow up overnight. And while the goal is to heal the wounded part of your psyche and become a healthy and whole adult, this happens in stages. So this is just a podcast to just really bring back that idea again that healing the mother wound healing the relationship with our mother, which really is the inner work done from within, to heal the unmothered child within, to not only heal the unmothered child within, but to then reparent ourselves. You know, it, the first step really is to see the pain, is to feel the pain, is to experience the pain, to relive it, not forever, <laughs> but to relive it so that you, you experience the emotion that you've been denying all this time. From that place of parenting yourself, you then empower yourself by diverting your attention. Okay, diverting wasn't the right word there. Is bringing your attention to the good mother role, the good mother archetype, the good mother in anybody really it doesn't have to be mother mary it doesn't have to be the you know a goddess energy when we become soft unto ourselves then we are able to see that being reflected in others if we are not soft with ourselves if we are not accepting of our own feelings and emotions then how can we possibly accept the feelings of emotions of others and it's that transparency it's that vulnerability to be able to see what is needed within ourselves and then we're then we can be more of service to others and it's very painful it is very painful I experienced a lot of pain this week that made me look within myself which I always come back to myself anyway and sometimes it's not easy to see that your core belief is I am not worthy and I'm not love and that might be your core belief and that might be something that you work on for a very long time however it doesn't mean that just because your core belief is I'm not loved it doesn't mean that that's true you know we internalize the voice of our mother and it becomes our own voice 
We don't realise how much that absence of love has affected us, has affected our psyche, has affected our relationships with all of those around us, not just women. Because again, this is it's way it goes far beyond this just being about women. You know, it's it's the 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 masculine and the feminine polarity within all of us. Regardless of how you identify, regardless of your gender, regardless of your expression. <laughs> And so truly healing the mother wound enables to heal as a collective. And again, healing the father wound is another discussion, but I think healing the mother wound is extremely important. I also feel that in this time as well, that when we are healing the mother wound within, we're healing from patriarchal stress. We're healing such a trauma that has inflicted women specifically and it's inflicted men as well denied them the right to express themselves through their divine feminine and it's just one aspect of healing is healing that mother wound to 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 become unified with the divine feminine to become to stay connected to the divine feminine that we have every right to stay connected to that that divine masculine and divine feminine has been denied through the stress of patriarchy, through the stress of childhood abuse, through the stress of a lack of love, a deficit of love in our childhood. And so I hope that you are able to take what you need to take from this podcast. It's really helped me to process a, th a few things and I love to share whatever's helped me. And so, yeah, stepping back and going within and asking yourself what you need is... One of the most one of the most powerful things you can do for yourself. Stay empowered.